Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Today I want to continue talking about uh, the blessing of the seed. If you remember, I, I began this series last week and, and I started talking about the fact that, uh, you know, Often we, we, we use the, the term, uh, you're going to reap what you sow. Well, that comes from the Bible, so, you know, that's good. But many times we have a tendency to connect it to something negative. You did wrong, so you're going to reap what you sow. And, uh, and, and we, we throw that out in a negative context. But did you know that seed time and harvest is a uh, is a uh, it's a law that uh, it's a, it's a spiritual law. It's a uh, but it's also a physical law, you know. And uh, uh, so it was intended to be a blessing. It wasn't intended to be a, a a curse. It was intended to be a blessing. And uh, if we will learn what the law of seed time and harvest is all about. In fact, you know, and I mentioned this last week, and I think it bears witnessing again, or mentioning again, that, um, uh, you know, sometimes we, we talk a lot around here that we're not under law but under grace, right? Okay, so we talk about that a lot. And so anytime we say the word law, people immediately think, oh, I'm not under the law. But you are under some laws, all right? And uh, so if you walk out here and you climb up on the roof and you walk off the building, you're going to hit the ground because there is a law of gravity that is very much in effect. And you are under that law, like it or not. So there, there are some laws that you are, you are under the law of the land. And if you violate the the, the civil laws of the land, you're probably going to spend some time in jail. And, uh, you know, so there are laws that you are under, and there are physical laws that you are under. And uh, one of the physical laws, but it also, it, it, it is uh, farther reaching than just the, the physical law, but there is the physical law of seed time and harvest, and that's why you get to eat. Because farmers sow seed and you partake of the harvest of the seed that they sow. And in fact, God told Noah, after he came out of the ark, he said, as long as the earth remains, there would be seed time and harvest. 
And I've heard someone say it like this, there would be seed, time, and harvest. In other words, you plant a seed and the harvest is usually not immediate. It, it could be, but usually not. Usually there is a period of time between the time you plant a seed and the time that you reap the harvest of that seed. And so um, let me just begin by, uh, I, I want to spend some time today in uh, Mark the fourth chapter. So if you've, if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your uh, app on your phone or tablet or whatever, uh, go to Mark chapter 4 and follow along with me. I want to just encourage you to do this always, you know, bring a Bible in some form. I don't care. You know, I'm not one of these guys that says it has to be a paper Bible. Uh, you know, if, if you've got it on your tablet, that's just fine uh, as long as it's a Bible. And, uh, you know, but, but you need to be reading your Bible. In fact, let me just mention, I'm very excited about the turnout that we've had the last couple of weeks for our Bible study on Sunday evening. And I encourage more of you, you know, I want to run out of space for the Sunday evening Bible study. And, uh, but because God's people need to be studying God's Word, praise God. And so, but anyway, we're going to spend some time this morning in Mark, the fourth chapter. In, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus starts talking about sowing and uh, uh, talking about the soils. In fact, there is, the, um, there is the parable that Jesus gave us in Mark, the fourth chapter, that uh, uh, we refer to as, as uh, the parable of the, of the sower. But in reality, we should call it the parable of the soils because that's what Jesus really talks about is about the different kinds of soil. And so um, I, I know uh, from experience, you know, that we're not going to get through this today. Okay, so we're going to have to come back and finish it. But hang with me and, and mark it on your calendar. You know, I know, I know we do this every week. But go ahead and mark it down that next Sunday morning you need to be here for the continuation because, uh, you know, that's what we're going to have to do. But uh, anyway, in Mark, the fourth chapter, let's begin with verse number one. It says, again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea, and he, brought, and he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. All right, here we begin the parable. Verse number three, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, and it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away, and some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and, and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded a crop that sprang up, 
increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if we jump down just a few verses to verse number 14, we begin to see Jesus' explanation of the parable that he just gave. And here he says, verse number 15, or, or verse 14, says, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. So he has identified what the seed is that he's talking about. The sower sows the word. The word is the seed. Verse number 15, he says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. So he's, uh, what is the wayside? The wayside that he's talking about, we, we could say that uh, he's talking about the hard beaten path, or we could even say it in our, uh, uh, in our culture today the, that the, the wayside might even be the sidewalk. And so let, let's go on. These are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. Now, Jesus likened this to the birds of the air. And uh, if you throw some seed on the sidewalk, the birds will come down. And, you know, kind of reminds me of uh, um, how many of you have ever seen the Home Alone movie and, uh, you know, where uh, Kevin goes into the Central Park and, in uh, New York City, and the the bird lady's there, and and you know she throws the 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 seed up, and all the, I mean she's just swarmed with with all of these birds because they're coming to to eat the seed that she is scattering, and so here um, Jesus says that when the seed is sown on the wayside, when it's sown on the hard packed ground or on the sidewalk. The, the birds of the air come, and he says the birds of the air, that is, uh, is representing Satan, that he comes immediately to take away the word that is sown in your heart. Now, I want you to do some self-evaluation as we're going through this today. If you, um, you know, I, I know from experience of, uh, of pastoring for, for um, 30 years or almost 30 years, uh, I, I know that there are some people who don't make it out of the room with the seed that was sown. And so, little self-evaluation. You know, some, there are some people that Satan gets the seed of the Word of God out of their hearts before they ever get out the door. So determine right now, I'm going to hang on to the seed. I'm going to protect the seed. I'm going to scare the birds of the air away. I'm going to run the devil off, and he's not going to take away the word that is sown in my heart. Praise God. You can just go ahead and tell him that. You're not taking the word that's sown in my heart today. And, um, but Satan comes not, see, not tomorrow, not next week. He comes immediately to take away the word that is sown in their hearts. Now, um, the, the wayside represents the, the fact that there is no capacity to receive the seed of the Word of God. 
See, there are some people that the reason the devil gets the word before they get out the door is because they come into church expecting to not get anything. They come into church, I don't know why I'm going. I don't know, you know, my, my wife drug me here. My, you know, I, I just came for my kids. I just, you know, came for this or that. And they come with an anticipation of not receiving anything. And when you come with that kind of an attitude, you're not going to receive anything. When you come with a uh, cross your arms and a, impress me now, if you can, attitude, you're not going to be impressed you're not going to receive anything, and you're going to go away saying it was just like I thought it was. It's boring. And, uh, you know, and, and when you go out, you're not going to be changed because the seed was stolen immediately. And then uh, let's go on and let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse number 16. Jesus continues his explanation here. It says, and these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Now, this one I want to spend a little bit of time on because this is one that, that um, you know, I've actually never heard anyone talk about it like what I'm going to share with you today because this is so important, but it doesn't get covered, and it's part of the reason why people don't get a harvest from the seed that is sown in their lives. Now, get this, verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Now, who, who can tell me what I've taught you about the term stones and, and it as a, as a symbolic thing in the scriptures? Who, who can tell me what I'm, oh, come on, now you guys have listened better than that. All right, stones. Law, all right, there you go, there you go. I, uh, you know, somebody was bold enough to, to say it. Praise God. But notice, these are the ones sown on stony ground. And when we see the uh, stones spoken of in the Bible, often, not every time, but often there is something symbolic to the law. And the reason is because the law the Mosaic Law, and I'm not talking about the law of seed time and harvest. I'm talking about the, the Mosaic Law, the, uh, the Ten Commandments. It was engraved, written and engraved on stones. You know, and I've, I've taught you about uh, when, when Jesus was in the grave that they rolled a stone over the tomb, but in order for the resurrected Christ to be clearly seen, they had to roll the stone out of the way. They had to remove the law and let Jesus come forth. Praise God. I've also taught you how that uh, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, uh, that Satan came to him and he said, if, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. Jesus is the bread of life, and stones, the law, can never provide this, the, the spiritual sustenance that the bread of life, Jesus, can su supply. Praise God. And so uh, we've, we've talked a lot about the, the symbolic nature of stones, and I had never seen it until I actually began to prepare for this message that um, Jesus talked about the stony ground. 
Now, let's, let's begin to dig this out a little bit and see what he's talking about here. Likewise, the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So these are different than the ones that are sown by the wayside. The ones sown by the wayside, they lose the word immediately. It never even takes root. You know, the birds of the air come and take it immediately. But here we find the stony ground, they receive the word with gladness. They're the ones that sit in church and they say amen to what the preacher's saying. And they get excited about the word that they're hearing, but does it produce fruit in their life? Let's see why often it doesn't produce fruit. Here we go. Immediately they receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So just like the, the wayside, they also produce no fruit as a result of the word sown, but they do receive it, and it does begin to sprout, but it just does not endure. And it doesn't endure because of persecution or because of uh, the pressure is on, the heat is on in your life, and you don't produce any fruit because of that. And, the you know, um, because the, uh, the plant that begins to come up from the seed that is sown begins to wither away because of the heat, because of the pressure, you know. And, uh, you know, I've driven down around in this part of the country and I have actually seen cactus growing right out of a rock because there was a little crack in it and it grew right out of the rock. Um, but, you know... Uh, Cactus have an uh, amazing way to do that, but uh, but anyway, let's go, let's go back here and see they have no root in themselves. Now, why does the plant sprout, but it doesn't come to uh, to fruitfulness? Doesn't come to that place of producing fruit? Why does it sprout? Because there is a little bit of soil there. And these are the people, who, who are these people that are stony ground? Now, by the way, anytime we identify, if you say, hmm, that's me, I'm stony ground, well, you don't have to be stony ground, all right? We can get the stones out. We, we can get that out of your life, and, and, and you can become good and fruitful ground for the Word of God. You don't have to stay like you are. You don't have to stay the sidewalk. You know, we can bust that thing up and we can loosen that soil up and you can become productive, fruitful ground, praise God. You don't have to stay the stony ground, but you've got to realize what the stony ground is. The stony ground is, is a person with a stone mentality, with a law mentality. Now, here, here's what a law mentality is. The law mentality says, I must or I can earn the favor of God. I can earn, I can measure up to a standard and, you know, 
but usually that turns into I can't. And so one of, one of the two things happens when you realize that you can't is you either begin to call on Jesus, so that's the right response, or you begin to get depressed about it and say, well, I, I just give up. I can't, I'm not going to try anymore. But see, here's the thing. When you have a stony mentality, you receive the Word of God because you know the Word of God is what you need in your life, and you know the Word of God is going to help you, and you know the Word of God is going to transform your life, but you receive it in a stony mentality, a law mentality. And see, you remember that there was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus, and here's what he said to Jesus. He was, this, this rich young ruler was, was uh, educated in the law, and he said this to Jesus. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, if you're going to approach me on the basis of what you must do, I'll tell you what you must do. You're going to have to keep the law. You're going to have to keep the commandments. And he was a little bit arrogant, and he said, well, I've done that from the time I was a child all the way up. I've already kept the commandments. And Jesus' response to that was, there's one thing you lack. You see, anytime we approach God on a basis of the law, on the basis of keeping the commandments, there's always going to be one thing we lack. Always. You will, and, and here's the thing about it, if you break one commandment, then the scripture says you're guilty of breaking them all. You become a lawbreaker. So you are guilty of breaking them all. So here's the deal, Jesus said there's one thing you lack, so in other words, Jesus said you're a lawbreaker. And, the, and then he told him how to remedy that situation. And it says that he went away sorrowfully. And so, you know, Jesus told him how to deal with that situation. He wasn't willing to receive that, and he went away sorrowfully. But, you see, here's what we've got to understand. As long as we're trying to measure up, we will never quite measure up. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I believe the last part of that is descriptive of the first part of that verse. All have sinned, and the last part of the verse describes what sin is, coming short of the glory of God. And so here's the thing that we got to get and understand is that short is short. It didn't say how short. Short is short. We come up short if we uh, come short of the glory of God. We are coming up less than God's perfection. And so it doesn't matter if you're a little bit short or a lot short. Short is short. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So here we find a person with a stony mentality. They receive the word with gladness because this is going to change my life. This is going to trans transform my life. But he said they have no root in themselves, and so in other words, it becomes just a surface thing for them. See, here's the difference between a law mentality and a grace mentality. The law attempts to change a man from the outside. The law was about changing your behavior, changing from the outside, Applying pressure 
to say you got to change, you got to change. And see, that's where the stony ground comes in because there's a little bit of soil there, not enough to really get a root in to where it can grow up and produce fruit. It will wither away because here's the, you know, you, uh, you plant a seed, but if those roots can't get down to where they need to get, then it's not going to produce any fruit for you. And so if you're the stony ground, you have no root. The root doesn't get way down in you, into your heart, the root of the Word of God, because it's only a surface thing. It is attempting to change you from the outside. But when we turn to Jesus, Jesus said that my Father and I, will come and we'll make our home with you and in you. He talked about the Holy Spirit, that he would abide with you forever. He moves on the inside of you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and he moves in you, and then you have root in you. Praise God. So now the word of God sown in your life, you see, you become what we're going to talk about here in a minute, the good ground. Praise God. But here he says that those that are sown on uh, the seed that's sown on stony ground, those that are stony ground soil, he says they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, Immediately, they stumble. We all know people that have gotten mad at God. Why did they get mad at God? Well, well, God did this or God didn't do this or what. But that's really not why they got mad at God. They really got mad at God because they didn't have any root in themselves. The Word of God had not taken root in their heart. It was all an external, outward thing. Something on the external part didn't change like they thought it should change. Or something turned out and went badly in their life. And so they ended up being angry at God, being mad at God, because there was no real root of the Word of God on the inside of them. Now, notice he says, that tribulation or persecution, something didn't go the way they wanted it to go, arises for the word's sake. Now, notice he said for the word's sake. Do you realize that the, the same Satan that comes and steals the word off the sidewalk is the same Satan that comes to bring persecution and tribulation because you got a hold of some truth of the Word of God? When you hear the Word of God and you receive the Word of God, you're all excited about it, but he, he didn't get it immediately, but he comes, nonetheless, he comes to take away the Word that was sown in your heart. Praise God. And he comes and he bring it, begins to... Re, uh, to, to um, attack with persecution and with tribulation. And because of that, they give up the Word of God. They give up the seed that was sown in their heart, and he takes that away. Now, how do you, how, how do you stop that? You, you 
stop trying to perform and begin to receive what God has provided for you by his grace. Praise God. Praise God. Now, he said they had no root. In other words, the ground that it's planted in cannot sustain the seed. Now, in Mark chapter 4, verse number 18, we see this. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. The ones who hear the word. Now, in all three of these cases, there, the, the devil's after the word. He's trying to get the word out of your heart. And in all three cases, but he approaches it differently because people are different. Okay? So here we see that he says the cares of this life or this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word. So if he can't get it out, then he'll just choke it off so that it doesn't produce anything. Now, he says it choked the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now, what is he talking about? He is talking about the distractions and the necessities of life. Well, you know, I have to work. That's true. We, you know, we, we need to work. The Bible says if you don't work, neither should you eat. So we like to eat, so therefore we need to work. And, and, and you know, and that's well and good, but shouldn't be priority because your relationship with the Lord should be priority. And, uh, you know, while we all need to maintain employment and, and, and work, uh, yet at the same time, do you really have to work two jobs, you know? And, and don't, don't misunderstand me. If that's necessary for you, I'm not being critical of that, but I'm saying most people who work two jobs don't need to work two jobs. Most people work two jobs, work two jobs because they want to accumulate more stuff. Now, am, I, am I talking right? Am I telling the truth today? Most, most people that work two jobs work two jobs because they want more stuff. There's nothing wrong with working two jobs, but there is something wrong with when job begins to interfere with your relationship with the Lord. When it begins to prevent you in your relationship with the Lord. Now, he says that the, the cares of this world, and then he says the deceitfulness of riches. I need more. I need more. I need more. You know, for most, uh, you know, I've, I've traveled out of the country a lot, and I've seen a lot of people that, uh, you know, uh, they work hard and they work long and they, uh, they work for very meager wages. But I, I found that most Americans, you know, um, 
they're, they're always wanting more, 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 and working harder and longer, and you know, and they and, and it becomes the most important thing in their life is to get more, and that becomes the all-consuming thing, the desire for or the deceitfulness of riches, and it's always about this one thing. It's going to make me happy to have more stuff. You know, has anybody ever proved that theory wrong? That more stuff didn't make you happy? You know, because you can never satisfy that. You get more, and then you need more, and then you need more. Because it, it is a never-ending quest to get more. That's the deceitfulness of riches. That riches is going to, you know, we're beyond talking about the necessities of life. Okay? There is that necessity. And you do need to work. Don't say, Pastor said I could quit my job. Pastor didn't say that. You know. But, uh, you know, if... If you need, maybe you've got a perfectly good car, but you need a better one. You've got a perfectly good house, but you need a bigger one. You've got a perfectly good boat, but you need a bigger boat. You need a faster boat. You need, a, you know, more, more, more. That's the deceitfulness of riches that somehow accumulating more stuff is going to satisfy me in my life. And the thing that is going to satisfy you in your life is more and more and more Jesus. Now, I'm not opposed to people having stuff. And if you got stuff and a lot of stuff, I'm happy for you that you have it. You know, I'm excited for you about that. And when you show me a picture of it on Facebook, I'll say, praise God. You know. Thank God that God has been good to you and provided for you, you know. But here's the thing. When that becomes the all-consuming part of your life and that becomes the, the, the important part of your life, see, the Apostle Paul wrote to the, uh, the Ephesians, I think it was, that he said, let each one labor working with his hands that he may have to give. He didn't say let each one labor working with his hands that he can get more stuff. Let each one labor working with his hands that he may have to give. You see. And, and, and there's, a, there, there's a difference. But he said there, is though, there are those that they have a desire for other things. And other things doesn't necessarily mean money. It's easy to illustrate it with money, but it doesn't necessarily mean money. You know, well, I like to do other things so I don't have time for God in my life because I've got other things to do. See, the desire for other things entering in, choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You know, I know people that are on vacation three weekends a month. 
sometimes four. You know, you don't need that much vacation. What you need is some Jesus, <laughs> you know. So he's saying there is the thorny ground and the thorns. Now, what, what's the thorn? The thorns are another plant that enters in and chokes out the one that was sown there intentionally in your life, the Word of God. Praise God. And then he says there is good ground. This is what we all want to be. We want to be the good ground that the seed sprouts and it comes up and it produces a harvest, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. You know, we're not going to go into the, you know, the, that, uh, well, you, you shouldn't settle for the 30-fold. You need to shoot for the 100-fold. We're, we're not going to get into all that, okay? But I'm going to say that you should expect a harvest. Praise God. You should expect a harvest in your life. Praise God. And you'll get a harvest if you're good ground. Now, I said anybody can be good ground. Not everybody is good ground, but anybody can be good ground for the Word of God. Praise God. And it comes down to a decision that you make in your life. I am going to be good ground for the Word of God. I am, first of all, when I go to church, and I said under the teaching of the Word of God, I plan on getting something out of it. I plan on going in like a sponge and soaking it all up. I'm going to receive all I can, and I expect to change and transform my life. All right? So, so now you, you have moved on from being the sidewalk. Praise God. Well, I'm not going to be the stony ground. Why? Because I realize that what I receive from God is a gift from God, and it's not because of my works. By grace I was saved through faith, that not of myself. It was the gift of God, not of my works, lest I should boast about it. I've got a root on the inside of me. I've got Holy Spirit that has moved on the inside of me. The Word of God has taken root in my life, praise God. And therefore, I expect I am going to produce fruit because I'm good ground. I won't be the thorny ground. I won't be the one that always needs more, more, more desiring other things and being deceived by the promise of riches to make me happy. You know, I'm going to receive the Word of God, and the Word of God is going to make me completely content. I am content with the Word of God, you know. I am content with what God has blessed my life with. See, when here's the deal. When you're content with what God's blessed you with, you set yourself up for him to bless you with more. Praise God. And, you know, we think that that would be the other way around, but it's not. When we become content with what God has put in our lives, we've set ourselves up for him to bless us with more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be the good ground. So I'm going to go home today and I'm going to start digging up thorns, get them out of my life. I'm going to start digging up the stones, clearing them out of my life. I'm going to bust up that sidewalk. Praise God. And see, this is how you respond 
to the message that you've heard. Praise God. Praise God. So right now, I want to give you an opportunity. Let, let, let's just make this confession together. Let's say, Father, in the name of Jesus, show me the stones. Show me where I'm hard-hearted. Show me where I have a law mentality. Show me where I have a desire for other things entering into my life. Reveal it to me, and I'll get it out of my life. I'll get rid of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you follow through on that, you'll be better for it. Praise God. Praise God. And now, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, now is the most important time of this service. Right now, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting in this room, this is the most important time of your life. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you have been born again. Now, it's real easy to get born again. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. So what we're going to do, I'm going to lead you in the confession. We call it the sinner's prayer sometimes. I, I prefer to call it the confession unto salvation. Praise God. And so we're going to make that confession unto salvation. And if you, right now, you want to choose Jesus. So you, you believe and then you acknowledge what you believe by what you're saying. Praise God. So let's say this together. And if you, if you say this with me, if you make this confession with me, and you believe what you're saying, when we say amen at the end of it, you will be born again. Amen means so be it. So if we say this, and if you don't agree with what I said, just don't say amen. Just don't say amen because that means so be it. But if you want to be saved, if you want to be born again, when we just say this with me, and when we get to the end of it, say amen. So be it. And at that moment, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be born again, praise God. You will become a new creature in Christ. The old things, the old person that you used to be is passed away and all things have become new. Praise God. Praise God. So let's just say this together. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in this room, let's say it all together. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sins, and then he rose again from the dead so that I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus, meaning I put my trust in him for my salvation. Jesus, I give you my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. 
Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 